0: I see, you think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and eh? mollycoddles, huh? You think Jesus is some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts! Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking to Dr. Reginald Zahiruddin who is uh, one of the directors of a hospital in Pennell Memorial Christian Hospital in Banu in the northwest frontier of Pakistan. Now, we've got an amazing story today on History Makers. Uh, Dr. Reginald was actually captured for 25 days Uh, And held hostage by the Taliban, and uh, he's going to share the story with us today. It's an honour to have you in the studio, uh, Dr. Reginald. Welcome to History Makers. Thank you very much. Now let's find out a little bit about your story. Uh, You grew up uh, in uh, a Christian family. Tell us about your upbringing.
1: Yes, uh, I was born in a Christian family, and my mother and my father they were believers, and they brought me up in a in the Christian faith, and. All the time I I was taught all Christian values and I was reading the Bible and um, I I knew that Jesus Christ is the only person who can save us from all our
0: sins. And uh, you had a choice to either go into the army or become a doctor. Yes. Tell us about I, <laughs> how you came about the answer to that choice. After my,
1: after my 12th grade, after finishing that, I applied in the medical college also, and uh, in the army as well, and I was appointed in the armed forces of Pakistan. But my, I also got admission in the medical college. So my ma- mother and father, they asked me a question, and they said, do you want to take lives or save lives? And so I, I decided to become a person who would save lives, and I finally decided to become a doctor. <laughs>
0: Wow. Yes. Now, um, there's uh, apparently 66 Christian hospitals There are 66, in Pakistan. 66 Christian hospitals. Tell us about how their history. How did they come about?
1: They were all situated before partition, before 1947, uh, during the uh, British times in the subcontinent. And uh, they have a uh, very good reputation all over Pakistan. And uh, they all come under the... Christian Hospital Association of Pakistan and I was uh, working in one of those hospitals Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, there are five Christian hospitals situated at the border of Afghanistan and Pakistan and uh, two of them are really in the uh, place which is the stronghold of Al-Qaeda and Taliban Mm -hmm. so I worked there in those two hospitals
0: for 25 years Wow, so you you must have seen some horrific injuries coming to that hospital yes during the uh,
1: russian invasion in afghanistan war wounded patients would come to our hospitals and uh, i was the only uh, person there uh, who used to perform surgeries and operate and i must have operated uh, almost 7000 war wounded patients from uh, afghanistan war and about uh, 1200 uh, to 1500 uh, patients of the present Tali, uh, talibans uh, because the pakistan army is having operation uh, there and uh, the americans are fighting uh, there so, so they are fighting the americans and pakistani army and whosoever is injured is brought to the hospital they are not accepted by the government hospitals there they cannot go to the armed force hospitals they cannot go to, uh, the other private hospitals do not take them so, the Christian hospitals take them and they take them through the Red Cross. Uh, if anyone comes uh, without a Red Cross uh, referral, we don't take them. So, all the Taliban's, uh, injured Taliban's, war wounded would come to our hospital through the Red Cross and we gave them very good treatment. Uh, on their first entry to the hospital, they would come and they would say, Oh, we are going to a Christian hospital. And then their leader would say, you just stay there and see. So after a day or two, they would find out that these are good people (laughs) and they are giving good care and loving care and we treated them really very good. Mm. It was not because they were Talibans, but all patients, we treat them very well. Mm. So they got special treatment there and uh, we wanted to show them the love of Jesus Christ, Mm. really. Mm. And I thought that they are very good friends i have worked there for 25 years and almost 90% of the people know me there personally by through by my name i have seen small boys who were born in front of me and now they are talibans mm.
0: so you were working in this hospital yes. and you went through this horrific experience of being captured held hostage for, yes. for 25 days tell us the experience yes.
1: Until the 8th of December, I, uh, 2007, I thought they are good friends. And I never needed uh, uh, an escort or a guard or anyone. And I used to travel here and there and go and attend the clinics in the villages. So I was on a routine uh, uh, visit on a Saturday on 8th of December, 2007. And we were suddenly abducted, uh, myself and my driver. He's a Muslim and we were uh, captured by uh, five uh, talibans and uh, so they took us in our own car in a 10 seater high ace, blindfolded us tied our hands up and uh, in knee and elbow position drove us for three hours and then shifted us to another car in the boot of the car both of us and then took us onto the mountains in the tribal area and uh, There we were in a mud house, there is no electricity there, it was very cold, probably it was snowing there because it was very, very cold and they kept us in a a room 18 by 9 feet, there was nothing in that room, only two beds with very uh, thin sort of bedding uh, which hardly kept the cool Uh, and... uh, there were no toilet facilities, so in the corner of the room we had to release, relieve ourselves. And they would give us a pitcher of water, two litres each, uh, for the whole day, to wash ourselves and to drink as well. So you can well imagine the hygienic conditions there. We didn't had a bath for 25 days. We had no comb, no toothbrush, nothing at all. We, have, we were in the same clothes, lying down on a very dirty bedding. And there were lizards and rats running around. And it was all closed. There was no light. It was dark all the time. For 25 days, they uh, uh, would open our chains. Uh, We were tied up in chains. So they would open our chains five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening so that we can relieve ourselves. And uh, they gave us almost half-cooked or uncooked food to eat which was the most difficult thing. During those 25 days, I was dehydrated and lost about 10 kgs.
0: Now, you were um, in the middle of this horrible situation, and here you are a Christian, a believer, with yes. a relationship with God. Yes. Uh, did you feel abandoned by God? Like, Did you feel close to God? How, how did you feel in your, in your spiritual yes. life for, in that for time? For the
1: first two, three days, I was just complaining, and I said, God, I've been a Christian all my life and I have obeyed you I've uh, been working in the Christian hospitals and uh, I I left everything and uh, went into these uh, remote areas to work and uh, I got such a bad treatment and why why is this is this my reward of 25 years service in this area and I used to pray and pray and pray and uh, whenever I closed my eyes I saw a globe of people multitudes and of some faces flashing whom I've never seen, I've never known and I used to tell my driver that whenever I close my eyes God shows me that the, the whole world is praying for us and he would say no only our families will be bothered and the others are not but later on we came to know that the whole world was praying for us and so we. it was a, a diff- very difficult time because I spent 54 years of my life very nice 54 years I had very good friends, Muslim friends as well. But after 9-11, we have found Pakistan, a, a very different place. We People were insecure, but I thought uh, the people who are giving trouble are my friends. <laughs> I've been treating them and uh, they respected me, And but they really did not respect me. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't have kidnapped me.
0: So you were held hostage, and yes. I understand there was a Muslim cleric that came to try and convert you from Christianity to, to Islam.
1: Yes, he would come four or five times a day, almost forty-five minutes to one hour. He would preach, and from the very first day, he brought his bed and put besides my bed. And early morning, when he got up, he he preached, and before going to bed, he would preach, and in between, he when he whenever he would come to uh, rest there, he would preach. And I was really irritated by him. He even uh, had a tape recorder and he would put a a cassette on that uh, which would explain jihad, the the fighting for Islam. And that you will, uh, if you fight a jihad and you become a martyr, you go straight into uh, heaven and there will be 70 virgins uh, waiting for you to uh, welcome you in heaven. And uh, so I was very upset. And he even threatened me that if you don't accept Islam, then we we might uh, slaughter you. So uh, on the first Friday, that was 14th of December, I was really afraid. But I prayed and prayed and prayed. And uh, a a boy came from the Muslim Islamic school. And he said, the cleric is calling you. And today, in front of the gathering, in the Friday prayers, afternoon prayers, Uh, you will have to proclaim that uh, Muhammad is your prophet and you'll have to read some verses from the Quran we'll give you a holy bath and then uh, you'll become a Muslim and I said tell the cleric I'm not coming and I'm sure the the Holy Spirit was uh, helping me and guiding me and that day I confessed all my sins and I said Jesus I know today they might kill me and they they might take me forcibly from this place so please help me help me help me and when i was abducted i had four things in my mind and i was praying that god please cover me in the blood of jesus and i have your holy spirit i want a double portion double anointing of your holy spirit and the third thing was that i have been reading your word from the childhood I've uh, memorized some of the psalms and and I I know the word and the fourth thing was that I said you have promised in Zechariah to it that you are the apple of my eye and whosoever toucheth you toucheth the apple of my eye and I I say please keep me from any kind of harm they give me and God did that and on Friday I thought the cleric would come and take me forcibly but I was praying hard and I I was just Uh, sprinkled the blood of Jesus on me and I wanted the Holy Spirit nothing happened and the cleric disappeared from that day Uh, on 15th of December in the middle of the night it was exactly one week they all those five men came again and they took me to another room blindfolded and tied my hands with chains and um, took off my they wanted me to take off all my clothes But uh, finally, they just took off my shirt and made me sit on the cold floor. And then when they removed my blindfolds, I saw a group of people sitting in front of me. And they all had covered their faces. They all had klesh and in their hands pointing at me. And behind me, there was a man sitting with a dagger, tapping the dagger on his palm all the time. And they said, why don't you accept Islam? And I said, I have my own faith. And I want to remain in that own faith. And he asked me, what is your faith? So I told him about my faith, about Jesus Christ and about Christianity. And uh, they said, no, Jesus was not crucified. He didn't die. He, didn't, he was not resurrected. So I said, this is the only thing which uh, makes my faith stronger. And they said, we also believe in Jesus Christ. But he was taken directly into heaven. Um, they also asked me, Lots of things about Christianity which were not relevant, like a necktie. They would say, why do Christians wear a necktie? And I said, even Muslims wear a necktie? And they said, no, this is a sign of a cross hanging in front of your neck. And any Muslim who wears a necktie or who wears a pant and a shirt, we consider them infidels and they are not Muslims. So uh, these sort of things... So he said that if you don't accept Islam tonight, we are going to behead you. And the man who had the dagger touched the dagger um, to my neck to terrify me. But uh, I was really, I tell you, I was prepared to die that night. And I have uh, asked uh, God to take me to the place where Jesus is. And then I asked them a question. I said, This life is given to me by God and he only has the authority to take it back. And if he has appointed you to take my life, I'm ready to die. But before dying, I would like to ask you a question. Is there anywhere written in the Quran that you must convert people to Islam by force and terror? And So they were quiet for a moment. And then I heard the sound of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Psalm 118 verse 17, that you will not die, you will live and proclaim the good works of the Lord. And I thank God. And the, the Amir, the leader said, okay, we are not going to talk to you about religion, but we want a ransom. It became compulsion because they, if they leave a Christian, they don't kill a Christian, then they are supposed to take a ransom. So they said, we want 20 million rupees, which is probably 500,000 Australian dollars. And I said, I'm a poor person. I work, I'm a salaried person. I work in that hospital. And uh, no one will pay that huge amount for me. But they said, no, we know that your hospitals are supported by, they even named the missions. They said, your hospital is supported by the Red Cross. They knew 90% of myself that where my brother and sisters are, where my home is situated, where my wife is, where my children is, they knew 90% of me. And uh, so they forced me to write down a piece of paper for the hospital manager to arrange it within a week, otherwise they'll kill me. And they even said that we want to buy arms and emanations. We want to send this money to the center of of Taliban. And then they uh, took that in writing and took me back to the room there I was, I was afraid and I said, nobody is going to give that huge amount. And uh, so I was praying to God to please soften their hearts and forgive them because Christ gave, uh, forgave those who crucified Him. And I said, Jesus Christ, I also forgive them for what they are doing. I was praying this prayer for um, two weeks and there was nothing happening. No, no one came to tell us what's happening Only young boys, 14, 15 years age would come and give us something to eat, would bring water for us and that was all. So exactly after three weeks from the day of abduction on 29th of December, those five men came back again and they were so polite and nice to me and they sat down on my bed and they said, you are a nice person. So we don't want to have that ransom of 20 million now, but we want whatever we have spent on you. And they said, 2.5 million. And I said, no, this is also a huge amount. Finally, we uh, just agreed on an amount and they uh, took it in writing from me that my wife would pay 1 million rupees to them in two days' time and then they'll uh, release us. We were sort of happy and uh, pleased that at least the ransom has come down. But I said, God, in my weak faith, I have written down this 1 million. I was asking you to take me free from this place. But uh, I, I know that uh, you are a great God and you are the mighty one and you still have the power and you can take us from this place without, without paying any ransom. And so 29th was the first night when I could sleep for four or five hours. And while I was sleeping, I just had a dream. And God showed me in the dream that it will be your fasting day which is Wednesday, today is my fasting day. It will be your fasting day. And in the afternoon, you, along with the driver and the car and all your belongings would go. And he even showed me that the driver is driving me on the Miransha road. The next morning I got up and told the driver that I've been told by God that we'll go on Wednesday, 2nd of January 2008 in the afternoon with the car, with all our belongings and we'll drive on the Miransha road. The driver just laughed and he said, no, they are not going to give us the car back. They will definitely take that 1 million rupees, which they have asked you to write down for your wife's name. And then they said, he said that it's difficult. It's very di-. I said, you just have to wait. On Tuesday night, I just sat down and I was praising and I was thanking God that he showed me that we'll be going tomorrow, Wednesday, And I sat all night and I was fasting and Wednesday morning and afternoon I was praying and in the afternoon, it must be about 12.30, when the doors opened and the man who, who was sitting with the dagger that night, he came, he had two pairs of new clothes and he said, please take a bath, change these clothes, you are free, you can go. And I asked him, how? And he said, I can't tell you. There's a man waiting for you. He'll tell you. So I said, no, I don't want to change. And we left in the same uh, sort of condition. And uh, this time we were not in the boot of the car, but we were sitting on the seats. And then he handed us over to a man after an hour's drive. And he took us into his house. And he had prepared tea and all eatables. But I said, no, I'm fasting. I'll break my fast at six in the evening. So I just want a separate place where I can sit and pray. So he gave me a separate place to sit and pray. He respected actually. And at six o'clock when I came out of the room, I saw a table set up with food and all eatables and drinks and everything. And there were about ten people sitting uh, all watching me and you can well imagine my nails had grown with all dirt and i've i haven't combed my hair for 25 days i haven't uh, brushed my teeth and i was in the in those dirty clothes everyone was watching me and the psalm 23 came to my mind that god has promised us that he will set up a table in between our enemies for us and so so true it is and I really thank God that he he got us out from that place and he fulfilled all all the promises. I said okay I'll pray for this food and all of them raised their hands and I prayed for the food and thank God for a release. And then after when we have eaten that a man came he was the member of the council of Taliban. They have a council five members from Afghanistan, five from Pakistan and uh, they look after the affairs of Everything. That man came in and embraced me, and he said, "You are the most lucky person in the world. No one comes out of of that place alive, and you have had a miracle in your life." And he said, "Your God has saved you." So he said, "Your car will also come. Please check everything in your car. If anything is missing, please tell us." He handed us over the mobiles and wallets and all our belongings. And then he drove me in my car and he said I'll I'll drive you to the hospital and the driver was in the other car and while he was driving he said just for 10 minutes think that you are not a Christian and I'm not a Muslim, please tell me something about Jesus. And I thank God that he wants to know about, a Taliban council member wants to know about Jesus Christ. So 10 minutes is a good enough time to tell anyone about (laughs) Jesus Christ. So I just told him. He was uncomfortable when I told him about the crucifixion and resurrection. But I told him everything. So there was a point where he stopped the car and he called the driver and he said, this is my point. I can't go beyond this because the army is looking for me. So he told the driver, please drive on this road. This is the Miransha road. And when... The driver came and sat down. He was driving and I said, Khalid, you know, today was Wednesday in the afternoon. All our belongings, the car, and now you are driving on the Miran Road. This is the dream. The, God showed me everything in the dream how we will be released. And I am so thankful to all the people who were in that globe, all the faces which flashed in front of me. I don't know who, were, who they were, And when I came back, I just checked my mail and there were thousands of emails from people whom I've never known, I've never seen. I don't know from where they got my email ID and they were praying in faith. And one email said that there are 2000 pastors in South Africa. They have a prayer chain and they are praying for us for our release. So there are so many faithful people in the world. They were praying for me and Khalid. And I thank God for this miracle.
0: Now, Dr. Reginald, you've just shared this story of 25 days being captured, held hostage by the Taliban, yes. and your faith grew stronger. Oh, yes. Uh, there might be people listening that don't have a faith in Jesus, yes. and they might be separate from God, and they might want to become a Christian now. Would you talk to those listeners and, and explain to them how they can become a Christian? I think everyone has
1: faith. once. They believe in Jesus Christ. Everyone has faith. And those who who don't believe in Jesus Christ should know that he died not for the Christians, but he died for everyone, for the whole world. And I never knew that I had that big faith and I'll be strong. But the Holy Spirit guided me all the time. And I came out of that crisis After my release, I realized that I have so much faith in me. And then later on, I said, to come out of that crisis, you have to have 25 days of regular prayer and to be with the Lord and to just believe in Him and to lay down your trust on Him. Give up everything. For, for Jesus Christ uh, So
0: you come out of those, those crises And I think
1: everyone has their faith They just have to practice it
0: Well, Dr. Reginald, it has been such an honour To uh, hear your story And after what you've been through uh, And now to hear your testimony Of your faith in God growing even stronger uh, I reckon you're a history maker Thank you so much for joining thank us you. Thank you very much God bless, yeah. thank you If you'd like to download this interview Just go to www.historymakersradio.com There you can also find links to Facebook and Twitter and also you can make a donation if you'd like. All emails will be greatly appreciated.
1: History Makers.